Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. Boom! That gets me every single time, guys. Yeah, we're live. Yes, we're at the PDX, Portland, and uh, sports show, guys. And we've been doing these podcasts pretty much every day. This is coming in as one of our favorite because we've got some of our favorite friends here. Uh, we've got Hushin. Casey and Beam on the track. Act a little enthused, Brian. I need a little more out of you, bud. I'm going to need a little more, bud. I'm just waiting for you to take us down the road, you know? <laughs> I'm giving you some time to open this up. Okay. It's good to be back in Oregon. Uh, yeah. born, in, born and raised, more or less, in the Portland area. So i uh, got a lot, of, a lot of history here. It's always fun coming back to these shows, although it hasn't changed in at least the 30 years that it's been going on. You're not wrong. Pretty sure the same vendor in the same spot is still there from when I was a kid. The fish pond is still here. Nothing's changed. Did but you this, this location is uh, pretty ideal. Buy one pillow, get seven free. The pillow guy has been <laughs> around guy. a long time. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> no, I think um, now it's what we did, guys, when we put all this together. Uh, huge shout out to these guys because what we did is we just I called Casey and BMAC and said, hey, guys, was there any chance that um, Eric was busy? But is there any chance that you guys could come out? And both of them dropped what they're doing and came out just for this long ways, flights on planes, a lot of money involved. So, man, it's just. Yeah, can't say enough. We're getting reimbursed, right? Absolutely not. Now that I've got you here, that's what I told you. Yes. Right. Now that you're here, absolutely not. Yeah. Where do we send our expense reports? Yeah. <laughs> to Chase. Uh, Onyx. Onyx. Onyx is a big sponsor, and so yeah, I would do that. Dylan. Yeah, Dylan will cover it. So, no, but just thank you guys so much for coming out. And yeah, and I think that's one thing, like for Trent and I too. Um, BMAC and I met, I think, in like 2011, 2012, when I was doing Full Draw Film Tour. And he's like, hey, dude, there's this guy in Idaho that's got this thing on YouTube. You need to check it out. It's Hushin with Levere. And it was Casey's. He was the first guy on YouTube showing hunting. And I'm like, yeah, but like YouTube's for like funny cat videos. You know, there wasn't a, I thought I didn't think a place for YouTube. And, and, and honestly, Casey paved the way for what YouTube is hunting. He was the very first person. And then Brian connected, got Eric involved, and the Hush side really paved the way to for us to see, like, wow, you can actually put hunting content on YouTube. And, and if, it, if it wasn't for these two, we'd still be probably trying to make DVDs and pendle them in a little 10 by 10 spot. So I, I uh, actually sent Cody a Facebook message suggesting exactly this. Like, hey, guys, probably maybe time to put the DVDs away and, I don't know, elevate to the next level with digital media. And uh, he, didn't, he didn't respond to me at all, actually. Uh, we didn't know each other quite well at the time. We were Facebook friends. Maybe it was MySpace. But Gotta nonetheless, uh, he, you, did, he didn't re- return my message until a later date. We all met at SHOT Show and uh, reconnected there. And then these guys invited us to come out and do a fishing trip here in Oregon. And so we took him up on the offer. And uh, we, we finally, finally broke through got him to start up the Born and Raised YouTube channel on uh, the side of a river. Yeah, right on the uh, north of the rest has been history. These guys have yeah. crushed it. It's it's been a crazy ride, that's for sure. As far as from there, just looking at where it's come now, it's pretty pretty blessed, pretty special. Yeah, I think you know, um, 
I appreciate you saying that I paved the way, but I always said that I don't, I don't like the phrase self-made because I, I think there's always somebody that like maybe shows you the way or gives you an idea of what you should be doing. And I had that in my life. You know, I didn't, I was the same with you. Like back in 2010, I thought YouTube was for a bunch of funny cat videos, which it was. And then I had an older brother that was making a living doing YouTube. And he kind of showed me like, Hey, you should do hunting content on YouTube. And at the time I thought that's not who's on YouTube watching this stuff. That's not the demographic. But what he told me was one day it could be like one day hunters and fishermen could be obtaining their entertainment off this platform. And so, you know, with my beautiful wife's push, um, which I'm not kidding, she was the one that convinced me I should probably ultimately try it. And then along the way, I met some awesome partners with Brian and Eric. Um, but what I always said was, it might not be that platform or it not, might not be that demographic, but with more people doing it, like you guys, um, creating content in that space, it, it will be. And right. over the years, you know, it's been, this is year 12 now that we've been doing the Hush channel and uh, with people like Born and Raised and some other people out there making content, it really has like paved the way for outdoor television and how people are obtaining their, their entertainment for, you know, hunting and fishing. And so I would say together we've created this, this path for people, anybody to go and do it really, you know, I always tell people that they're like, oh, I'm thinking about like filming my hunt, hunts. What do you think? I'm like, why aren't you doing it? Everyone has a camera. Everyone has a phone in their pocket. And if the last thing that you obtain by it is just entertainment for you and your family, like how cool is that? I've always said like, looking at old pictures of my dad with his dad hunting and his brothers are the coolest pictures of all time. Imagine having that in a film format for your kids and grandkids at a later time. And so, you know, we've obviously been able to monetize it, but you know, if people ask me like, should I hunt, film my hunts? I'm like, hell yeah, you should film your hunts just so you have that for yourself and, and for, you know, your family. I think that's one of the coolest things. And, and like you said, I, I've got literally two pictures of my grandpa with, with some animals past that a few with my dad, they all burn in a house fire, you know, as a kid's like, I don't have any of that stuff. Now my grandkids and my son gets to experience what, you know, we did. And I'm, I'm super blessed and excited for that. Uh, curious out of the audience. Do you, do you guys watch content these days on your television or your phone? Phone? Phone. Show, show hands. Who's, who's watching on the smart TVs these days? It's so, yeah. Right. Absolutely. So it's it's pretty interesting the evolution of like hunting content, right? Back in the day, it was television and print in a lot of magazines. Then it kind of transitioned into hunting forums was the big thing, and then obviously more recently we're looking at digital media and the evolution of YouTube. Like Casey talked about back in the day, there was no really smart TVs in 2012 to speak of, so everything was being consumed on a desktop computer or a laptop. And now, if you look at like the back end of our analytics and stuff. I'd say close to 80% of the views that we generate are from smart televisions, right? The adoption of Netflix and Hulu and streaming services have really changed the viewing experience into big screen TVs, 4K, sitting on the couch, families around. So it's a it's a better product to consume than it was when we first started doing it. More immersive for sure. Right? Absolutely. And I think it'll only continue to get more, you know, stronger. Uh, you know, YouTube is uh, is a powerful brand run by Google. So they they're they're at the leading edge of things. They can be a pain in the ass at times with yes. uh, some of the stuff they deal with when it comes to monetization of hunting content. Be a little sensitive at times, a little soft. But they made some changes recently. We're optimistic it's going to get better. But <laughs> it's it's really cool to just see 
how the pendulum has swung from when we first started doing this to the DVD era, old school VHS stuff, and now how it's just so easily digestible through watching it on your TV at your house. MP3, that's going to come back. <laughs> I mean, it's on its way. Everybody knows that's coming back. Yeah. No, it's kind of cool, like, too, as far as, like, from our just short, when did we start? About five years ago or so. And when we started with the Land of the Free, have you guys ever seen the Land of the Free? Okay. And we started with the day-by-day -day series. And we had the goal to put out a video every day. Don't do it. It's super hard and it's, it's super frustrating. But now we're to the point where, well, you guys did it too, the day-by-day -day thing. It's not easy. It's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's funny too, is because we're always trying to, like every year we, we all come together, you know, me and Brian and our guys, and then I'm sure you guys do the same thing, but what we're always trying to do is pr produce uh, content that you guys want to watch. And so when you try something like the day, Today Series, yeah. it's funny, like you're going to have like 60% of the people that watch that love it, and the other 40% of the people are going to be like, this is stupid, Lame. I don't care, Correct. I want to see animals die, like whatever it is. So every year we try to like make it better and better. And, you know, we're to a point now we did the day by day for three years. And yeah. now we're both kind of doing the one video a week type thing. You copied us. Um, <laughs> what? What? I Show of hands. Like, broken. if you guys have watched the Land of the Free, the original Land of the Free, or our, we call it our best season yet. Like, do you like that day by day uh, format? Or would you rather have one polished video at the end of the week where you can sit down on Sunday? Because also, like... A day, a video every day is really hard to keep up with, right? Like, who has an hour every day to watch? Because you're watching both of us, right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> so two, you know, hour and a half, an know, hour and a half minutes. every day, and people get left behind. Like, show of hands, who likes like the one polished video a week in comparison to the day by day? Okay, about a fifth, about day by day series. That was the feedback we were getting too, as okay. far as people that would get behind on the day by day. They'd be like, I can't catch up with for video you know and so they kind of go by the wayside what's is funny too is because not only are we friends i'm fans of your guys it's like i was I really fans when we that. met and you know i'm on, like i'll sit down or lay down on the couch sunday night and i can stay up with your guys's my favorite was kaylee's buck this year 100%. my wife yeah she did awesome yeah nailed it 100%. but yeah like we're, but we're always trying to evolve because you know youtube is always forever changing so we need to be changing with it and so we're always trying to make a better product at the end of the day for for you guys the viewers because honestly like if without you guys none of us are sitting up here doing what we're doing true and so i tell everyone we meet that like you guys are the reason we can do it and we appreciate the hell out of all of your guys' support absolutely yes. and i think that's the coolest thing at the shows for us it's like we're talking into a camera we don't know who's who's watching this who's viewing what they're going through in life what what are the challenges that some they could relate to what we're doing and, uh, I mean, some of the stories are really touching. I mean, we've had, had I had a guy come up and he said, I was 360 pounds. I'm down to 210. I've hunted out of state. You changed my life. The only way I would let myself watch your guys' content is I get on the treadmill. And from that, he totally changed his entire life, what he thought he could do. And now he's out there hunting multiple states, having a blast in life. And it's like, we wouldn't know that unless we come to events like this. So, yeah, it's super fun. It, it's super touching. I mean, it's, it takes oh. it takes things like these gatherings, like these, to hear those stories. And like Cody said, most of the time it's just this. You're talking to a camera that you don't know who you're affecting. It's uh, it's special, man. It really is. It's humbling to come to these these things and see this much of an audience just to hear us talk. You know, honestly, for me, it you know, 
we have the best job in the world, and I'll never complain about our job. But it is just like any other job, man. You can get into a rut if you're trying to deal with, yeah. you know, working with YouTube. They want to demonetize something because you showed, you know, cutting a backstrap out of an elk, whatever it might be. Like, there's a lot of things just like a regular job that, you know, can get you down. But the one thing that, like Cody just said, I talked to the same guy that lost a bunch of weight, um, and it changed his life. Like, that, the, and, you know, we get a lot of people telling us that we inspire them, but at the same time, like, the reason these shows are so important for us is because you guys inspire us. Yes. Stories like that. We're talking to a guy that got into bow hunting because they watched Land of the Free One. Like Stuff like that is what really drives us to do better at the end of the day. And so meeting you guys is, you know, is what I think creates us to or helps us create better content yep. at the end of the day. Yeah. thousand percent. Yeah, we're, we're very lucky. And it doesn't fall on any of us to not recognize how... Uh, how humbling experiences like these shows are to be able to have that interaction that you maybe not don't get through, you know, the comment section uh, of certain videos and stuff. But honestly, being able to wake up every day and do something that you're passionate about is really special. We've all had jobs and previous careers before this where it wasn't that it was a grind. It was corporate America. It was whatever it might be. And so we just feel exceptionally blessed to, to literally be able to wake up every day and do something that you really love. And uh, again, like Casey mentioned, it's a weird dynamic because none of this, our, our ability to sell merchandise or share videos, if there's no audience like that, like obviously there's no business. Yeah. And uh, so, again, just a unique thing to, to be a part of this. And, and I think the thing about it is, like, we're just normal dudes doing the same thing that everyone else is doing. We just happen to carry a camera. And I, and I, I think with that said is, like, if there's something that you, you want to go do in life, Set a goal, figure out a plan, and start taking the steps to reach those places. If you don't, you're going to kind of sit on the sideline and then look back 20 years and like, man, I should have done that. Yeah. Like, if, if it's something that you want to do, it's a burning desire, figure out how to make a plan and make it happen. We, we were super fortunate to be with these guys the day that Trent quit his job, Fallen Trees. Um, super special moment because a year prior was when we first talked about like the idea of them starting the channel. Yeah. So that was a big moment. Like we've all stepped away from traditional work to try this out, and it's it is a risk. It's a calculated risk, but nonetheless, uh, to to echo kind of Cody's point, if you guys have something that's burning in the back of your head that you're, you're considering. There's an idea, there's a thought. It doesn't have to be hunting related. It could be whatever. As an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you name it, a different company you want to try. All I would say is just bet on yourself. Yeah. Absolutely bet on yourself. Make the jump. Try it out. You will never regret trying it. Even if it fails, you can always just go get a job, right? Like you're not going to, you're not going to go without it. You can fall back into what's comfortable, but it, that's the one thing I think we've all learned from this is just bet on yourself. Go take risks. Take too. the risk I mean, and try it. Like, and like see what happens. Said, you can you can always fall back on probably what you're doing right now. And with the invention of the internet, honestly, anything is possible. If you want to have a knitting channel, you can do that. You can I've got whatever. one. I, you know, <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, like my daughter Hudson, she makes these cool animals and stuff, and she crochets, and I'm like sell those online you know i mean it's totally doable it's totally possible anything that you uh, you can see it's not like even 15 years ago you know it's pretty it's pretty incredible and, and the same goes for the hunting right like if you if you've got the same old stomping grounds and you're like man it's not what it used to be like there's places out there that may be better maybe out of state 
Um, it's a daunting task to think about going out of state, like thinking about going to the Oregon coast from Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. Be a scary thing, but you go do it the first year. It, we always, I always talk about the analogy of like, you live in a box, right? Your box is about this big. You go into the discomfort zone, you're, you're uncomfortable, but now all of a sudden your box gets a little bit bigger. Life gets a little bit fuller. Every time that you go push yourself and feel uncomfortable and push those boundaries, the next time you're in that comfort zone, now you can go for something bigger and better. And you just all of a sudden live in a bigger container instead of this smaller box. Inspirational podcast is what this turned into. <laughs> in Apparently so. Who knew, who knew we were doing a TED Talk? I have a yeah. dream. I have a dream. <laughs> no. So let's get to what people probably want to hear about. When are we hunting together and what are we doing? That's kind of what I want to know. Yeah. Jokes on you, Trent. That's uh, going to be on me. Okay. What, what are we doing? <laughs> what do you? What would you guys, as far as uh, as far as like to see us? We did. We used to do the fishing things, which are super fun. Um, hunting wise, what would you guys like to see us do? What's that? Bull, Bull elk. elk. Okay. Show hands for elk hunting. Yeah, man. Elk. I mean, I'm with you guys 100. percent I like elk hunting. I, I, we could do more of that. Archery. What about rifle? Okay. Archery wins. Did it, though? I had my hand up. I'm going to be the minority of the group, but bulls of the spring, we can chase some turkeys really easy coming up. Oh, boy. Yeah. (laughs) Syracuse and waterfowl. Oh, boy. I mean, maybe later. Okay, I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll come turkey out. See, you're starting to lose them. You're starting to lose them. Go (laughs) Turkey. I'm out. gracious. Thank you so much, guys. As soon as you said turkeys, the people are leaving, Cody. Half the audience. You want to open it up to the audience for questions? I think we should do that. Yeah, let's answer. Let's try to answer some questions. Go ahead, right there. Do you guys feel like you might be coming to a point where you become a victim of your own success when it comes to hunting? Because I know I started archery elk hunting in Oregon in 85 and we were ready to move areas if we ran into two other hunters yeah now if we can find an open camp spot we're happy and I understand because like you know I've been you know consuming the media with the old Larry D. Jones tapes to watch it to learn and we were doing all this stuff and you know I cut the cable in 12 and been watching YouTube you know, in two, since 2012 for hunting and fishing. And sure. I had Onyx early on. I was doing all these things that now everybody's doing. And it's getting where the every, the woods are getting pounded. Right. You know, and it's like archery season looks like what rifle season looks like. Right. So do you guys feel that this is going to start affecting you? I think it's a great question. Because it's affected my hunting. <laughs> 100%. I 100%. And I think it's, it's a great question. And I think it's mind frame. Like, if you if you take it out of it and all these guys are the same way like we'll take five guys in the woods and there's only one guy with a tag because we don't want the the best for him we want him to succeed and so we put out all these dvds well it used to be dvds but videos now and on youtube to help somebody else when i hear of somebody actually succeeding because of maybe something that we did or using our calls and harvested an animal or something I'm jacked up about that. And if somebody gets their kids off the couch and off the video games and goes out in the woods, 
I'm super, super excited about that. And so you can look at it two different ways. You can look at it as these woods are so crowded, or you can look at it as, man, if we inspired anybody to get out there and do that, that's awesome. You know, they're experiencing it. They're doing it, you know? And so it's, it's one of those things, in my opinion, it's like glass half full kind of things, right? It's, it's, you can look at a lot of things in a certain perspective, but I think we need to be happy for them to be out there at the same time. And the next side of it's like strength in numbers, right? We're, we're under attack from the anti hunters at every corner. I mean, Washington lost their spring bear season. Um, I mean, 114 here in Oregon, it's just, it's some of those things. If we don't unite and have the youth involved to have, have the next generation, like I want the opportunity for my grandson to, to have an opportunity to buy an archery elk tag in Oregon. Um, so it, it is, you know, I mean, we, we try our best and, and honestly, like in 2018, we went back to Colorado. I was back country hunting. I ran into 12 people off trail deep in the wilderness, all 12 of those people watched Land of the Free. They drove from Ohio, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and they experienced something that they thought was never achievable. I was not bummed out at all. Like the hunting was tough. It was challenging, but I was inspired by what they, they put out the effort. So, I mean, with that, it's, it's definitely, um, it's challenging. Like, like Trent said, half glass, half full on it. I would say too, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a tough question. It's a great question, but it's tough because if you look at the statistics, they say that the hunting recruitment is down yeah. in the last 20 years. They say there's less hunters today than there was 20 years ago. And if you've been in the woods the last few years, you know that that doesn't feel like it. And I would say, you know, there's it's definitely like a, I don't know if you call it a catch-22, but we're big proponents of public land. Like, everyone should get out and do what we're doing, right? And then you run into somebody in a spot maybe that you've never seen anybody even before, but that is kind of our message is to get people out in the woods to do exactly what we're doing. And I would say like COVID really changed the game more than anything. You know, I, when did COVID start three years ago, four years 2020. ago? 2020. Yeah. yeah. I, I've seen more folks in the woods since COVID just yeah. because of the fact that, you know, whatever somebody's job is, they didn't have to be at the office anymore. As long as they had the internet, they could be out hunting or fishing. And so I'd say, COVID is really what changed it in my eyes the last four years. But, you know, it, it is tough because you want to get out and you want to experience these public lands and do the things you want, you want to do and feel like you're in the woods doing them yourself, but you run into people. But at the end of the day, we need numbers. That's the one thing that we as hunters need to do is stick together, come together and stand up for our beliefs and stand up for what we love doing. Next question. Great question, though. Um, do you guys feel like that YouTube has also helped you guys and other groups like open the eyes to conservation? Hundred percent. Yeah, I would say um, you know I think Just Steve, the internet in general. The internet in general. I yeah. think um, Steve Rennell has done a fantastic job, and he's done a fantastic job for the last 10, 12 years. You know. And we call it the REI crowd, right? Maybe they, somebody wasn't into hunting, maybe they were into mountain biking, but Steve's done a really good job with putting the correlation of hunting and food together, right? And there's been a big push the last 10 years of eating healthier, eating organic. And so, um, yeah, he's done a fi- fantastic job. I know coming to these shows and just meeting people and having them tell their story of they just got into hunting because they came across the, you know, 
uh, Land of the Free video a couple years ago, and they never hunted before, didn't know much about it, but started watching these videos for whatever reason, and now they're the ones out in the woods, and that's pretty cool. Shameless plug, uh, you know, we got a brush for bucks event coming up April 8th. It's going to be in Idaho. We're putting 30,000 sagebrush and bitterbrush seedlings in the winter range uh, of Unit 39, just north of Mountain Home. But I think, uh, you know, certainly it's it's brought awareness, hopefully, to, to more folks. And I think we can continue to improve and do a better job collectively as, as outdoorsmen and spokesmen. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of great organizations out there doing good things. They're not all perfect, but find one that maybe resonates with you and, and jump out and, you know, identify how can you get involved. So we're going to continue to try to do stuff that we have control of. Uh, but certainly I think it's been a, a net positive win. I like BMAC kind of being the rover. That kind of yeah, works out I, well. I don't know how I got He's this. He's got the but. Jordans on, dude. He moves faster. So, quick. <laughs> so you guys talk about how taking risks and how you guys took risks. What was the turning point in your guys' YouTube career that made you think, oh, I can do this full time and I can make a living off of this? Wow. Great question. That's a great question. Great question. Great question. Um, it was a dream. I mean, it was you, you, you mentioned on risk. We didn't, we didn't know. We went to, um, we honestly had this idea for Land of the Free, and we first had to get funding because you can't just tell your wife you're going to quit your job and do YouTube for a living without getting smacked. So you have to have a plan. So I, 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 we, we got a plan together, and we went to ATA to all of our partners. That's where it's really cool, this awesome booth and everything, but without these partners, without Onyx, Hoyt, all these people, we never have made like a reality a true reality and they all believed in us enough to fund us for this whole project and that's kind of how the ball started to get rolling from it so it was still a risk obviously but it was it was kind of a calculated risk to where we had a fallback plan as far as okay if this doesn't work like you guys were saying we I, I, there was a time and don't get me wrong there's been a couple times when i was just about ready to go back and start cutting trees again because it didn't work it didn't we didn't have all the things in place to make it work financially so it's been a lot of different risks taken at different times to get where we're at yeah i can uncover like a little bit from our perspective from the hush side is uh, you know when eric casey and i came together around 2014 2015 uh we kind of were able to scrape enough money together to to pay for one person's salary, which ended up being Eric's salary. Casey and I didn't take anything from the business for many, many years with the objective of Eric could be the one guy to help create more consistent content on a frequent basis. I could moonlight, still working with a corporate job. Casey had his other YouTube stuff that was producing income for him. And it was just a long, a long plan, right? So it took years. Uh, Casey and I didn't end up going full-time until 2018. So we're talking four years of really just working on a passion project that doesn't provide anything to our families directly. It, it was helping grow the business, certainly. And, you know, some of you, a lot of people are always like, how do you make money doing this stuff? You know, selling merchandise, certainly a, a portion of that. The partners that Trent mentioned are a portion of that. There's a little bit from YouTube that you can get and a couple other small buckets. But the big ones are the partner relations and, you know, selling merchandise. So all the hats and shirts you guys are supporting purchasing is literally keeping the lights on paying our families wages like it's, it's keeping us operationally sound that's how it happened and 
I remember vividly we were driving home from Colorado. It was a semi-live hunt. It was 2015. And Casey and I just, uh, just left where we were hunting. And we talked pretty openly about, do you think this will ever turn into anything beyond what it is? Which is right now just a hobby. We weren't making a single dime. We were sharing our story. And we probably had around maybe 50,000 total subscribers. So there was something there, but it wasn't enough to like generate consistently enough to make money. And uh, we didn't know, right? Like we didn't set, none of us sat up, set out to do this to become quote unquote internet famous. We didn't set out to do this to make a bunch of money. We set out to do this for other reasons that we've identified as like our why. And for us, it was to help inspire new people to get out and like learn about the outdoors. It was to try to raise awareness to your point about, you know, conservation initiatives and things that we could do from habitat improvement. And then lastly, it was just to be good people, good stewards of the industry, try to give back to our community as to whatever we grew it to, however big or small that would be. That was the reason we started the business. That's it. There was no other ulterior motives. It's naturally and organically grown over time, which eventually led us to the ability to jump and have that calculated risk to try it. But it it was like, it wasn't a huge risk because we knew there was a four-year cycle for us individually of building slowly and slowly and slowly. And I think I'll just finish on the point of a lot of times you may look at and say, man, somebody has, look at all these subscribers they might have or followers or the successes that may, may be identified. But when you really peel back the layers of the onion, you'll realize that that probably took close to a decade to get to where you're at. And sometimes it's, it's not really like looked upon of like, man, there's a long road to get there. It's a lot of times you just see it in the present day and like, man, it must be nice to have that. And, and I think the thing, too, to, to finish on that is like comparison is a thief, thief of joy. So it's like if you're starting out doing this and it's like, man, I, I'm not getting the views that these guys are. I'm not doing this. Like there's millions of people out there in this world. If you're doing something fun and you're enjoying it and you've got you'll you'll craft this niche that, um, you know, in, in the content world that. But if you are always comparing yourself like, well, it's not, not getting the view of the Casey and like, and you stop doing it, then you're never going to be able to, to have that slow burn journey through that. It's so. like anything too, you know, timing is, is really critical. We, we lucked out like our journey to do this stuff. The timing was right. If you were start, if we all started this today from ground zero where we were, it would be significantly harder. Like we hit the pendulum swing of again, TV and print trade transitioning into digital so I got a lot of empathy for people that are trying to get going on a similar business model right now. It's going to be a tougher road to hoe. It really is. Um, and that's just timing. Still doable. And, so, and we don't even know in the next 10 years, what does it look like? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the constantly. crazy thing about what we do and the platform we do it on is I don't know anybody that's like retired from the YouTube game because <laughs> it's so new. And so every day, you know, it's not every day, but we question like, where's this thing going to be out a year from now? Like, is YouTube going to still be a platform? Like, yeah. we don't know, but... You know, we, don't, we don't have a 401k. Yeah. Wait, we don't? <laughs> Not yet, Case. My wife doesn't know that. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Kaylee. Another question, guys. These are awesome. These are awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Um, what's your favorite caliber or rifle, and why do you like to use it? Now we're talking. All right. I'll let you guys go first, and then I'll tell them what the real one is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all... My favorite overall, like all around cartridge, if I was going to use it on deer, elk, everything, it would probably be the Weatherby 6.5-300. I think it's a super fast round. Weatherby's done a fantastic job over the years of of creating uh, cartridges that are are super flat shooting. 
Um, but yeah, the six and a half, 300, I would say is probably my overall favorite cartridge. Uh, man, shoot, shoot what you're comfortable with. What, what you have the most confidence in personally, like the 300 Weatherby is just can do anything, anytime, any place. Uh, you're pushing like 180 grain bullet plus. And you know, if something doesn't go perfect, that, that, that extra oomph certainly helps. Um, whatever Trent tells me to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, I mean, you, we could argue for days, yeah. but we'll be right. But um, as far as that goes, no, there's no perfect, cal I mean, there's, I, I would use a different caliber for elk as far as for deer. Honestly, one of the best, honestly, in my opinion, is 22 long rifle because it gets people together. It gets people out shooting and you can shoot a bunch of them, take the kids, take anybody out. You know, it's, it's that much. There's so much that like for training for matches and stuff like that, that I do, I shoot more probably 22 than I shoot anything just because it's affordable. It still makes you work on trigger sprees. It tells, you know, target acquisition. It still makes you do all those principles to shooting, but yet you're not spending a lot of money. It's not a big recoil. It's not a big, so whatever gets people out there shooting is what I would say. You know, you could say, you know, argue 6.5, more everybody's got one they're a great gun awesome deer gun but honestly it's just whatever you feel comfortable with and because if you put something online as we've seen we've bow hunted for years and you can shoot a bow with whatever arrow and broadhead setup and this and that but as soon as you get a gun involved oh. everybody is an expert everybody's a professional at they you shouldn't have done that or you should have used this or you know what i mean it's crazy and um but no whatever gets you out there and gets you out having fun and shooting more i would say like people ask like what gun should i shoot what cal caliber like shoot what you can afford and shoot what's comfortable because i don't care what the cartridge is if you're scared of that gun or the gun doesn't fit you you're not going to shoot it well shoot what is comfortable and, and what fits you the very best yeah any Next. other other questions? Anybody? Uh, one more. Don't be shy. Casey flew out here for this. Yeah, there we go. You're going to make me walk back up to the top row. You need to sit front row, I think. So with you guys partnering with SIG and Weatherby, did, um, did you guys shoot these um, gun brands before you became partners with them? Or was it just uh, did you shoot spur of the moment? Oh, yeah. Okay. So his question is, before we partner with Weatherby, we've been partners with them for five or six years now. These guys are partnered with SIG. The question is, did we shoot those guns beforehand? And from our angle with Weatherby, like, Weatherby, to me, growing up, was like the elite. My dad would always have the Weatherby reloading books, would have the books about Ed and the family. And so, like, when we finally partnered with them, I was very thrilled to go home and tell my dad that, hey, we're, we're partnered with Weatherby, which was a pretty cool feeling. I think... Just to kind of elaborate, you know, another little under the uh, the hood thing when it comes to that business of this whole deal we're doing. When it comes to selecting partners, the way our, our approach has always been from day one, the goal was to not have a lot of change in partnerships, which if you ever watch hunting TV shows over the years, you know, one guy might be shooting or like using Benelli optics or whatever. And then the next year they're, they're in a totally different optic category. And then the following year they're in a different one. They're just kind of bouncing around, you know, what it appears to be like chasing, chasing bit bigger paychecks, essentially. So for us, our approach was like, let's try to handpick companies that we believe in their product and we believe in the people, right? And if we can be mindful of that and good at that out of the gate, the objective would be not to change for the foreseeable long future. And the only reason we would change is if the product changed from a quality standpoint or the people changed from a quality standpoint. And so that's kind of 
the strategy that we took going into the idea of working with companies. It, it's not about like who can pay us the most amount of money. It's about who's the best fit 100%. with product and people. And so um, hopefully that helps kind of bring a little perspective to like our It's our so mindset. true. Yeah. No. And our partnerships, and I just want to kind of back on what BMAC said, is just like it's the way we are with Sig Sauer now, and I think you can see it in some of our videos, it's like, it's not just, hey, we're partners and we're gonna go out because I'm promoting Sig Sauer. It's like, honestly, like they came to dinner last night and two nights ago, they're family to us. These guys, they bleed their product, we bleed our product, and we just, we, we love to use it and we promote them and they promote us at the same time. We want a partnership that they believe in us, you know? And so for Sig to come out and and, and Weatherby as well, make a make a hush rifle and SIG to make a born and raised cross rifle and to have born and raised pistols and work with us. And, and it, a partnership is just that. It, we don't view it as just you cut me a check and I'll put your name on my website or my T-shirt. It's a partnership as well as like, hey, where are we, you know. We, we, we have fellowship together. We have dinners together. We have we meet with each other way outside of the video, if that makes sense. And it also gives us the opportunity to have input on stuff. Yes. And, and be like, hey, we love this product. What about making this little shift and change, doing this feature addition? Um, which is really cool to kind of have our imprint on something, too, of, um, with our experience and thoughts. Um, and those com- companies have respected the input, which is really humbling at that point. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Anybody else? Any advice for late season elk hunting, like specifically locating them when the, it's too thick to glass and they're not bugling? If, you, if you're lo- limited on time, you can't put boots on the ground everywhere. How do you make the best use of digital scouting or, or how, how would you go about finding the animals? This was for elk? Is so that- late season elk? Well, I couldn't. Yeah, I'm, I, so basically, like advice on hunting late season elk. Yeah, correct. I mean, for us, I think it depends on where where you're at, where what the terrain looks like. For us, you know, in Idaho and a lot of part of Utah that we hunt, um, late season it just comes down to glassing, and because we're able to glass, you know, in comparison to the, like the coast, you're not going to do, do a lot of uh, efficient glassing. But for us, like. We always will allow our glass to do the walking for us, especially in the late season, because those elk can be spread out. And so we spend a lot of time behind the vortex optics, looking looking to find find where they might be. What? What? Why? Casey's good at glassing. Yeah, he he's good at glassing. It, it, it's it depends. Like for the late season stuff too, I think it's understanding like the dynamics of where the herd is in that time of year, and it's it, it differs by state, by unit, by topography pretty greatly in your example you suggested like the trees aren't you know in a position where you can glass very effectively so man yeah a lot of times the the bigger more mature bulls are kind of tucked off in the nastiest deepest darkest holes recovering from a tough rut season you'll often find like the cows and the maybe immature bulls kind of a different location um but historically like you know you i know casey just had a late season hunt but it, it was a tough go and the bulls were in exactly where I kind of just described them. Not, not the easiest place to get to, per se. Um, but certainly, like, if you can learn the area of their transition zones. Because a lot of them, have, you know, they have their late season winter range stuff. 
they got their summer range they've got like their pre-rut zone and then like their rut zone so it's kind of just trying to put the puzzle pieces together of how they all connect based on what time of year you're hunting and, and keying on food sources that time of year they're they're trying to survive like they've fought for the last 45 days they're going to try to put weight on um, so that they're going to want the easiest well away from pressure but also the easiest place to survive so food source easy access to water with the minimal amount of terrain like a lot of times those late season elk they'll be in the same spot within a 200 300 yard circle for days they're, they're not going to put a lot of travel on so yeah they're trying at that point they're trying to conserve as much energy as they can and uh, consume as much protein as they can or energy so i always say like ideally a, a big mature bull is going to go to a spot that is away from pressure but also a spot that uh gives him food water and shelter in the most like the easiest possible place so they're not traveling a long ways to get any of those items but they're living in that place that has all three that they don't have to conserve or uh burn up a lot of energy looking for like old winter range sign too is is advantageous like you can kind of tell like scott okay that clearly is not anything fresh it's been here before you kind of pick up on sometimes uh where where they're spending those time frames by looking at that too i have a question um trent can you unbutton your shirt anymore <laughs> it's called the deep deep v, v. <laughs> Did you, i appreciate that that's what i'm talking about why are you showing up the crab shirt anymore he does not crab, need that you see my crab shirt uh, you got yeah. a crab shirt on <laughs> Yeah, his crab shirt. I usually shirt. charge double for that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Easy, easy, easy. One more beer. Okay. Oh, man. Anything else, guys? Middle. K- Casey, get, get to work. Case, come on, bud. Uh, first off, thank you guys for doing this. Absolutely. I think I can speak for everybody. We appreciate it. Um, what hunts can we expect this year? And are we going to see more wives, more girlfriends, kids hunting? What are we going to expect to see? <clears throat> yeah, I can, for myself, um, I don't know. I've been married to my beautiful wife for 20 years now, and I would have never guessed in 100 years that I would have convinced her to go out on a hunt with me and not only go on a hunt but be the tag holder. And uh, she was fortunate enough to draw a really good late-season deer tag in Idaho this year, and she was a rock star. I took her out, and uh, it was not great weather, snowed, blowed, all the fun things about late-season hunting. That, who watched that hunt? Yeah. Well, thank yeah, you. 100%. And, man, after – and I've taken my kids out numerous times, and they've found a lot of success in the woods. And I honestly – if I never punch another tag, I'm okay with that, knowing that my kids can do that. And now that my beautiful wife will do that, like, that for me, that's what it's all about, is getting – watching the kids get involved, and now my wife. And if you've never taken your girlfriend or your wife out – Highly recommended. I never, th- I didn't know if you would ask me a year ago, I wouldn't, I would have probably told you that it's good that like I have my thing and she has her thing. But after experiencing with that, that with her, like one of the funnest hunts I've ever done, and I'd highly recommend it to anybody out there. My wife does not want to hunt. <laughs> so, and, and we're married to twins. Casey, so Casey's answer was awesome. <laughs> it was just like, Maybe I'll go with you guys or something. I don't know. Uh, Overall, though, like from a season planning standpoint, we're still all trying to figure it out. You know, nothing I don't think is concrete yet. Hopefully we get lucky and beat a few draw odds in some of the tags we've applied for. And uh, certainly a lot of planning to to be done. 
Casey I, and I have been kicking around a plan a yeah, little bit. Indeed. We're not sure yet, but he's <laughs> we're asking. We're 100% sure. Okay, we're 100% sure of the plan that's happening. We're not going to say what it is, but yeah. Oh, that's secret. We, yeah, yeah, Come yeah, to me secret. after, I'll tell you. Yeah, we got, we got some plans. Um, we need to just get in the woods. It's tough. Like, everyone's always like, why don't you guys hunt more together? And trust me, if we could, we'd probably plan every hunt we could with these guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know tough like scheduling wise. calendar points who's going where what it, yeah. it i mean even amongst ourselves it's really challenging to put it all together um trent's got an alaska trip coming up this this winter which will be Woo. fun yeah um we've got some idaho archery elk tags and whitetail tags as well for the group and that's kind of it so far we're just fingers crossed we'll we'll land a tagger there and and go after it to me again just joking. They are gonna. We are gonna hunt again together. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a it's a double edged sword. You know, you you can hunt all together and maybe have one person holding the tag, or you can try to divide and conquer, get and get more content. So again, it's a balance. We love hunting. You know, even our, with our own team at Hush, like we love all getting out, but it's difficult because then we're, we only have like maybe one hunt where we could have produced three or four. So it's a balance there, and then obviously you know the relationship with us and born and raised guys. Uh, it's it's hard. It's crazy to think back. Land of the Free One is uh, is six years old now, and Land of the Free Two is five years old. And that was the last time we hunted together. Five years. I mean, wild yeah. how fast it's gone. But uh, yeah, we we had a pretty long talk last night. Like, all right, five years is long enough. Like, let's figure this out. Yeah. Did you have a question? Oh, our household, we personally like the um, the camaraderie between all of you guys, but the humor in your guys's um, videos. But also, thank you for cooking, too, because I'm obviously a city girl, and, like, everything you guys are, like, showing, I'm like, I got this down. <laughs> but um, Casey, if you guys haven't tried it, Casey's chili is amazing, so you got to, like, go back to his chili. It's, like, our household staple now. Well, i got to admit, now that she's here, it's actually my wife's chili recipe that I stole from her. <laughs> Did you have a question up there? So you guys have made your uh, foundation mostly on elk and mule deer. Have you guys ever thought about getting into blacktail hunting and trying to, sh I mean, it'd be hard, but trying to show footage in that. <laughs> Talked yeah. about that yesterday with you, Case. Yeah. yeah. I am open to blacktail hunting, that's for sure. Don't tell anybody, but I've already applied. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in for Oregon. It's I don't know if I'll get it. It's interesting. We but. come to this, sh this show, and, uh, you know, everyone wants to show us pictures, and it's always blacktail out here, and I'm, like, so in, like, enthused about blacktail hunting and, and the way you guys go about doing it which is seems really fun to me but just waiting for the right invite you know <laughs> it's open invite case. i know a guy i know i've also really enjoyed the uh, fishing part and you didn't seem like steelhead worked out last year but um and you talked about maybe doing some salmon fishing too and some ocean fishing you've done a little bit for tuna and some bottom fishing but it have you thought about expanding more of your fishing, especially yeah. the drift boat fishing and stuff yeah, on the rivers? Yeah, definitely. It, it's it's weird. Like our fishing stuff on, um, we kind of built our channel off of elk and off of big game hunting. And times YouTube has algorithms, and I think you guys could probably speak more to this. I mean, I'm well versed in algorithms, as you know, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know. YouTube has kind of an algorithm thing where it's like, if you get off your beaten path of what you're normally doing, they don't reward you for it. They kind of punish you for it sometimes. 
And so a lot of times we'll put on a fishing video and it'd be like a different genre and it won't do, YouTube won't hardly promote it, it won't do half as good. And then you gotta kind of fright, claw back Yeah, then back you gotta claw to back you're... to get to kind of where you were before. And, um, and honestly, to be totally honest, like just in the last couple of years, like we haven't fished as much. We've been working on this business and the call company and a lot of the hunting side of things enough to where it's really kind of scrimped down our time of fishing. Like I went once this year. I don't think Cody's even been still at fishing this year already. So no. it's kind of, it, I don't know. It's kind of not changing, but yeah, we just, the fishing thing is just not as much anymore. Exactly. That's Correct. why we started the second channel with the flyaway and waterfowl yes. and turkey. It's um, like like you said, if, if our current subscribers don't watch that video, YouTube says, oh, it's bad content. Well, there's an audience out there that enjoys that. Obviously, there's some other channels. So as we focus, kind of narrow in that niche and start a second channel and, and it's getting better views than we did on our big channel. So, yeah, it's it's it kind of kind of a challenge, but I wish we could put it all in one place and just pedal to the metal but um it's kind of what we built so yeah well cool guys if there's nothing else we just want to uh say thank you so much to you guys and to these two guys for coming with us and man really appreciate it guys yeah really thanks for having us yeah thanks thank for you coming guys. guys thank you